Good evening. Tonight, today is Wednesday, May 25th, and we're studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is more about alcoholism, and our speaker tonight is Christina S. Thanks, Christina. Thank you, Erin, for your service. Hey, guys, I'm Christina. I am a compulsive overeater living gratefully in a recovered state today. Um, I came into this program a year ago at 23 years old, and I am just incredibly grateful and blown away by the miracles that this program has worked in my life. Um, so tonight we're going to talk about step one, um, and step one is um, that we are powerless over food and that our life is unmanageable. And I think chapter three really nails down that idea, at least it did for me. And it's so important for me to continue to work the first three steps in my program every day. Um, so I'm gonna actually pull out my book and make this share based in the book. So on page 30 in chapter three, it says we know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. So no real compulsive overeater ever recovers control. And I need to be reminded of that every day, because if I think that I can regain control, then I, I will relapse. I will go back to the food and, you know, I'll, I'll gain all the weight back and I will die. Like this is life and death for me. I almost ate myself to death in this disease and I can't go back there. So I need to always know that I will never regain control. Um, one of my favorite lines in this chapter, also on page 30, in that first paragraph, it says, the idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. And my sponsor always tells me to circle the ands because it's two different things, control and enjoy. I'm a true compulsive overeater. I cannot control and enjoy my eating. There's controlling my eating, which means that I'm restricting and starving myself. And there's enjoying my eating, which means that I'm binging. There's no in-between for me. Um, so I, I need to truly believe that I can never control and enjoy my eating. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, and at the bottom of the page, it says we are convinced that a man, we are convinced to a man that alcoholics of our type are in the grip of a progressive illness. Over a considerable period, we get worse, never better. Um, I know that this, this disease is permanent, progressive, and fatal for me. It's never going to get better. It will always get worse. And this disease does have the power to kill me. Um, <clears throat> there is no such thing as making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic on the top of page 31. So these first couple of pages here, like really do just like nail down that point. Like I am powerless over food. My life is unmanageable. Um, so this chapter is just so good at, for me, it was so good at helping me be able to make these admissions to myself, because if you can't, then the program's not going to work. That's why step one is step one. It's essential for the rest of the work in the steps. 
um, on the bottom of page 31, um, it talks about um, what my sponsor likes to call the body test. So it says, try to drink and stop abruptly. So for me, that's try eating and stop abruptly. Try eating like a normal eater. Try eating one or two slices of pizza and calling it quits. I can't do that. That's try eating one scoop of ice cream and putting the rest of it away. I can't because I have an allergy of the body. Once I take one bite, I have no control over what happens next. Um, so for me, I fail that test every single time. Um, and, you know, some people might be able to do that sometimes. Some people might be able to exert their self well enough to, to stop. But for me, I could never do that. Or at least I couldn't do it consistently enough. You know, I'd maybe do it once or twice and be so proud of myself that I would reward myself with something else, you know. And then the next time I wouldn't be able to stop. Um, so that's the body test. And then on page 34, it talks about the mind test, um, which is let him try leaving liquor alone for one year. Um, and I'm also not very good at the mind test. I would make it usually about two weeks before I would give in and start eating again. I could put it all down, put it all away um, on my own, completely in self-will, not relying on a power greater than me. And it would usually get me about two weeks um, before I'd go back into the food. Other people are much better at the mind test than I am. Um, you know, some people can put it down for a long time and lose a lot of weight. That was never me. I was never um, a yo-yo dieter going up and down the scale. I was just always going up. I could never lose weight because I could never put the food down long enough. But the good thing about the mind test is that you can do it while you're working the program. Even if you're still not convinced, you know, you can, you can say that you're just going to leave it alone for a little while and see what happens as you're working the steps. But by the time you get through the program, you might not want to pick it back up again. You might be convinced by then. You might be ready by then. So, um, yeah, even if you still are thinking that you might be able to have that control a little bit, what's the harm in trying something? You know, what's, what's the harm in trying something that might help? So I think those are really great points to make when you're looking at step one, um, trying to decide if you are powerless over food, if you are truly a compulsive overeater. Um, looking at those different things can be really helpful for that. So this chapter also gives like a few like personal stories. And one of my favorites is on page 36. Um, it's about the guy who thinks that he can handle whiskey on a full stomach if he mixes it with milk. 
Um, so it says, suddenly the thought crossed my mind that if I were to put an ounce of whiskey in milk, it couldn't hurt me on a full stomach. I ordered a whiskey and poured it into the milk. I vaguely sensed I was not being any too smart, but felt reassured as I was taking the whiskey on a full stomach. The experiment went so well that I ordered another whiskey and poured it into more milk. That didn't seem to bother me, so I tried another. And basically by the end of it, um, you know, he gets drunk and is just back in it like he was before. Um, and this is the insanity of the first drink, right? Because I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, once I start, I can't stop. So it sounds totally insane look, reading this story. Um, and it's like, oh, like, of course, like, you can't have whiskey and milk. Like, you're an alcoholic. Come on, what are you thinking? But we do the same thing. We can do the same thing as compulsive overeaters. So when I go through this with sponsees, <clears throat> I make the same comparison to what they call yellow light foods. And I don't believe in yellow light foods. I believe in abstinent foods and non-abstinent foods. I believe in this food contains my alcoholic ingredients or um, is an alcoholic food and will trigger me to eat compulsively, or it's not. There's no in between. Um, so a lot of times working with sponsees and newcomers, they'll say things like, oh, like I can have this, you know, it just has a little bit of sugar in it, or it's just sugar substitutes. Like it's, it's not a big deal. It's like, you know, sugar-free protein bars. And I'll point them to the story and I'll ask them, why do you want to put whiskey in your milk? What, like, what is that going to do for you? You know, if it's, like, it, and it's, you know, it's, it's insane when you, when you look at this and read this story and think about it this way. But for me, trying to justify, you know, protein powder or whatever it is that like, yeah, it just has a little bit of sugar in it. It's fine, right? No, it's not fine. It's not fine for me because I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, what that means for me in my life is that I abstain from sugar entirely. The big book tells us in the doctor's opinion, the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And for me, entire abstinence is entire abstinence. I do not have anything that might have sugar in it, sugar sweetener, sugar substitutes, even natural sweeteners like honey. Nope. None of it. I can't do it because I'm allergic to it. And if I had a peanut allergy and would have an anaphylactic reaction to peanuts, I'm not going to eat something that might have peanuts in it, right? Or that might be cross-contaminated with nuts because eating that's not worth dying, right? If my throat is going to close from eating it because I have an allergy, I'm not going to eat it. No food is ever worth my life. And it's the same thing for me as a compulsive overeater with my alcoholic foods. Eating those foods in any way, shape, or form, eating something that I'm unsure of, it might have a little bit of sugar in it, 
might have a little bit of sugar sweetener substitute, whatever eating that will kill me. And I need to treat it as if it is an anaphylactic allergy and my throat will close up and I will die on the spot if I eat that. So even though it's not fun, every single time I go out to eat or I have something that somebody else made, I have to double check because I have a life-threatening allergy. Um, I've been going out to eat a lot more lately than I was before program, not before program, like early in program. I've been going out to eat a lot more lately than I had had been previously. Um, and I can do that abstinent. I can do that safely because I have a spiritual solution that works. But I need to always live in step one. And every, every single time I go out to eat and I order something, I check with the waitress. Hey, I'm allergic to gluten, dairy, and sugar. Um, I'm going to get this grilled chicken, whatever, whatever it is. Can you make sure that there's no sugar in it? Can you make sure it's not marinated in anything with sugar, any sweeteners, anything like that? I ask that every single time. And I always will because I have an allergy and I don't take chances with my abstinence. For me, my abstinence is that I don't trigger that physical allergy. Because if I trigger the phenomenon of craving, I have no control over what happens next. I can choose to not take that first bite. I'm not powerless over that. What I'm powerless over is what happens after that first bite. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's like, that's what this story tells me. To an alcoholic, it tells them, you know, you can't handle beer um, or, you know, things like that. Like to me, to a compulsive overeater, it tells me I can't handle those yellow light foods, those things that might be questionable. I can't handle them. Um, on page 37, this is also one of my favorite lines in the book. Um, towards the bottom of the page, it says, our justification for a spree was insanely insufficient in the light of what always happened. And every time I get an outreach call of someone who is upset, going through something, you know, life is hard, life is being lifey, you know, we don't like the situations, we don't like the circumstances. I point them to this line right here on page 37. No justification is ever sufficient. Whatever is going on in life, it does not matter. No reason will ever be a good enough reason for me to pick up. Because for me, to pick up the food is to die. So if this inconvenience that's happening in my life is not worth me dying over, then picking up is not the answer. It never is. It, it was always the problem, never the solution. The solution is right here. It's the spiritual solution in this book. And that goes for everything in life, you know? Um, I mean, I've, I've been through a lot in, in the year that I've been in program. And I'm only 24. And I've been through breakups and heartbreaks. And five minutes. Love, Christina. Thank you, Nancy. And no matter what's going on, in my life, the answer is never the food. 
That's never the solution. It was always my problem. And it's not in this chapter, but another one of my favorite lines is, it's a design for living that works in rough going. Life is gonna be hard. Just because we have a higher power that loves us and we have this spiritual solution doesn't mean that life is easy and perfect. It means that we have the tools to deal with life when life gets hard. And we don't need to pick up the food for it because it's not gonna solve our problems. It's not gonna solve my problems. Me picking up the food is not going to solve my problems. If I'm feeling bad about myself because of boy trouble and drama, picking up the food is not gonna make me feel any better about myself. It's not gonna make this person love me. It's not gonna make me love me. <laughs> it's not gonna make my problems go away. It's just gonna make them worse. Um, and that's what I've learned in this program. Um, let's see what else I wanted to talk about here. Yeah, I like this line a lot on the bottom of page 41. It says, if I had an alcoholic mind, the time and place would come and I would drink again. So this is like referring to that that mind test again you know it's we can only live in our self-will for so long we can only fight it off for so long I can only fight it off for so long um if I'm not treating that alcoholic mind then the time and place will come again that I will eat compulsively I will pick up the food again I will binge again if I'm not treating my alcoholic mind so we have to treat the physical allergy first, which is putting the food down before you work the steps. And then we need to always treat, we need to always treat the alcoholic mind, which is by working the rest of the steps and using the spiritual solution. Um, I was talking to my mom a couple of weeks ago and I'm not here to take anyone's inventory not here to tell anybody what to do but my mother is a person who's gained and lost over 100 pounds multiple times in her life and she thinks that she's not a compulsive overeater because she can lose 100 pounds but she doesn't see yet that that untreated alcoholic mind always brings her back to the point where she gains it again she hasn't made that connection yet that you know She's, she's, she's still doing the mind test. You know, she is still trying to stop on her own. And just because she can stop for a certain amount of time, she doesn't see that she always goes back to it. And it's so hard for me to watch her go through that while I'm here living in the spiritual solution. But I can't do anything to, to stop it. I can't give her the willingness to come here. All I can do is practice the principles in all my affairs to the best of my abilities and to show her that the program works, that the solution works, that it's worked in me. The best way that I can be of service to her is to work on my own recovery and to show her that it can work in others. 
and just hope and pray that one day maybe she'll make it here. All right, I'm probably almost out of time. But yeah, the last thing that I wanted to talk about, page 43, right at the last paragraph, it says, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. One minute. Thank you. We have no defense against it. I have no defense against it. I am powerless over the food. I always will be. And um, that is what I need to remind myself of every day and work this program. Because if I didn't need this program, I wouldn't do it, right? It's a lot. It's a lot of work. <laughs> but this solution is the only solution that there is for me because I'm a compulsive overeater. And I am just so grateful for this program, for the spiritual solution, for the miracles that it's worked in my life, for the fact that my mind is not taken over by food. I don't live in the obsession with food anymore. And that not only do I have a program that works, a solution that works to cure me of this disease, well, not cure me, I'm not cured, recovered, not cured. Um, not only do I get this program to, um, you know, to live in recovery from this disease, but this program has become one of the most amazing things in my life, this fellowship has become my home and my family. And I am forever grateful for that. So with that, I will pass. Thanks for letting me share. That was awesome. Thank you so much, Christina. So good to hear you. Um, we're now gonna open up the meeting for questions or three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. And Subin will call the raise hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Nancy Z, would you please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announcement time is up. And if the speaker has asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay, who would like to share? Okay, first we have Liz. Okay. Hi, I'm Liz Kay, compulsive overeater. Um, whew, I'm very nervous sharing in front of all of you, but um, Christina, that was amazing. That was really, where are you? Oh, you're here, okay. Um, that was really beautiful and I'm crying. I'm really tearing up because you really touched me. Um, thank you so much for really walking us through step one. So clearly um you know and i'm i'm at the beginning of my program i i do have 60 days abstinent today and thank you from sugar and white flour and like a wise person told me it's it's not to you know pat myself on the back it's just to let other people know that you can do it if i can do it you can do it um you are my oldest child's age. My daughter is the same age as you. And, you know, I find it such, such an amazing gift. I'm, I'm learning from you so much. And um, I want you to know, like, even with your mother, 
she will, she will see the message in your eyes and in your behavior, because you just, you radiate, you know, healing and yeah, really quick here. Um, so just, you know, have faith and just keep doing you. And I, I really believe that she will feel all that love from you. And that's um, pretty amazing. Um, I forget what else I was going to say. Like I said, I am nervous doing this, but um, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your innermost <laughs> vulnerabilities with us. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much, Liz K. Next we have Cheney K. Hi, Cheney K, compulsive overeater and bulimic in Florida. Um, thank you so, so much, Christina, for that beautiful share. Um, I really can say, like, truly, you have a recovery that um, I want, like, on like such a deep level. Like, your recovery is so honest and so evident. Um, and thank you for, you know, bringing that to me. Uh, I really appreciate that. And for bringing this message just so straightforward and honest and not beating around the bush um, with any part of it, um, pointing out the and that we have the obsession um, of the mind and we have the alcoholism of the body and for being like so clear in your definitions about what that means, um, the absolute abstinence and just the insanity of the mind and how exactly that characterizes itself. Um, so that's something that I know I really needed. Um, I think coming in here at first before I found CYFC when I was in OA and some other groups, um, people were just kind of vague about what abstinence, absolute abstinence meant or about, I guess, how the obsession of the mind would like manifest itself. But I think mostly about just like absolute abstinence and you really were able to boil it down for me, what exactly that means and what exactly I have to abstain from to stop the allergy um, from kicking in. And I think that's hugely important. That's been, you know, the difference between relapsing and actually being able to go forward with the steps for me. And I think that's super important to anybody else um, who's in the beginning, who's wondering why they can't get abstinent, but they're not, you know, willing yet to put down, you know, artificial sweeteners or, you know, certain fruits maybe that trigger them or other foods like that. Um, how important it is to just put all those things down, everything that we're allergic to. Um, um, and on the other side of that, there is absolutely a solution for every one of us. Um, and yeah, so thank you again for um, bringing that breakdown of this chapter and yeah, just want to let you all know that um, there is a solution and it's it's working for me. It's worked for Christina and it can work for all of us. So thank you for letting me share. Next we have Melissa G. Okay. Um, Christina, thank you for your share. I felt like listening to you you're so calm how you talk and it's so like so much slower than like I'm like oh, blah, 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 blah. so it's like I feel like listening to you I'm like okay I understand exactly what she's saying she makes so much sense she's so even keel and then it's my turn and she called my name and I feel like I'm gonna throw up like I just got so nervous like what did I raise my hand for what did I want to say 
but I did have stuff to say. So I'm going to try to get it out. You had said um, on page 36, suddenly the thought crossed my mind. And that's like one of my favorite lines because man, am I still sick. I mean, it's almost two years now that I've been in real abstinence sponsoring, working the program. I've been in the program for 12 to 14 years. So it's been a while. And I went to the farmer's market on Saturday and I got salsa and they had these like corn things that were literally just corn. Like I can only eat things that I can read the ingredients. And um, I committed it, I put it in my food plan. And then I had a co-parenting struggle that hurt and um, they were calling my name. I'm sitting there, I had my weight and measure plan and they kept calling my name in my pantry. Like there was a person banging on the door, come eat me, come eat me. And I was like, huh, suddenly I had the thought, well, this like crunchiness really sounds good right now. This sounds like it's a good plan. I was like, oh my God, I can't even believe this is what you're still thinking. So I was like, I gotta throw these out now. So now that can't be a choice again. And I had to do a 10 step and work through it and see what my fault was and my part, which I did have, I did have, um, which still is shocking to me. Like, you know, just seeing your own parts of where you're being selfish or wanting things how you want it to be. Um, but I, I, I just loved how you really walked through the more about alcoholism and, and really just the fact that it's like, I was, I was confident it could not happen to me after what I learned. Well, I've learned I can't have my yellow light foods. I've learned, you know, that chips aren't part of my plan. So why did I think, cause it's from the farmer's market with one ingredient that I could have it? Yeah, so um, thank you for your share. I am gonna reach out to you because like somebody else, I have a daughter around your age who, has, you know, I'm not taking your inventory, my time's about up, but I would love to talk to you. So I'm going to take your number. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Melissa G. Next, we have Amy B. Thank you, Subin. Amy B, compulsive overeater, living very gratefully in a recovered state today. Thank you, Subin. Thank you, Erin. And thank you, Christina, for a beautiful text based share, for the fact that you talk about when you talk about outreach you point to the book we have a mental twist that's why we're all here so it's good to point to something that we know is like grounded and dependable um, um which are our instructions and which point us to a spiritual solution um so thank you for all of that and and um yeah parents and children generations I'm sorry, I'm very reflective on this, but I just want to say like there is something in this program that just works on healing the ancestral line in both directions um, somehow. Um, I don't know. It's really beautiful. I want to just talk about one more thing in the book because like I said, text-based. Um, top of 35, this chapter is about describing some of the mental states that precede a relapse for obviously this is the crux of the problem. This being the mental states 
that precede the relapse. That's the crux of the problem, the mental states. And then in the next paragraph, it starts and it ends with asking what sort of thinking dominates an alcoholic who repeats time after time the desperate experiment of the first drink. And then at the end of it, what is he thinking? This is a, this is about mental states. This is about a mental twist. And I got to say, my mental twist is mean a lot. And sometimes I prefer the devil I know. Like that's the thought that comes up. Like, yeah, I know the food isn't going to, you know, hurt, but at least that's familiar pain. And what's going on is too real and too raw. So the devil I know starts to look good. That's, that's so dangerous. There's a difference between familiarity and comfort. And um, that mental twist and that, and the cruelty blended in with it. A lot of old stories that, that we don't need to choose to bring into today. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this, except for I really just feel very, very um, grateful. Grateful for this program that teaches me to take a, a pause and, and a moment to examine that first thought and recognize that it's a mental twist and I need to be restored to sanity. Um, thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Amy B. Next we have Julie C. Hi, everybody. I'm Julie, compulsive overeater, and I'm new to this meeting, and I really like it. I had no idea what I was getting into at 8 o'clock when I got on. Um, I've never seen a meeting that it has four letters that mean something, um, but I'm absolutely loving it. And Christina, I really liked hearing you. I'm, I'm so glad I got on. Um, you know, oh my God, I think you're a little less than third my age. And, you know, your wisdom around this disease um, in the big book is, um, it's really amazing to me. And, you know, I've been here in and out for a while and I'm doing the steps and, you know, talking about that mental twist, I think my mental twist says to me, you can't handle, you can't handle anything. You just can't handle it. And you have to eat because you can't handle it. Your feelings, you, you can't handle your feelings. And it was pointed out to me today, thankfully by my sponsor that um, that's a lie. That's a lie because I can handle it. I've handled a lot worse than what I have felt the last few weeks when I've had a few slips or messes up or whatever, losing my abstinence. I have felt a lot worse than that. Um, and I've had a lot harder times. And so um, I am grateful to be, how should I say it, pushed into maybe doing this more thoroughly. I'm not really sure. But that mental twist for me is huge. Um, and I'm sure you all understand because we're all here. And, uh, you know, I think my mental twist also says, oh, you have about 25 pounds to lose. You're not so bad. But you know what? Or 25, 30. I don't know because I don't weigh myself. But guess what? My misery is so 
profound when I am eating and picking up the food that it doesn't matter if I'm 25 pounds under, 30 pounds over, it do, 100 pounds over, it doesn't matter because I am not, this is not a life, you know? And, um, and my mind is just, it's so, I'm realizing now in doing the steps this time around, my mind is so programmed and difficult for me to, um, I want so bad to change it. You know, I like the snap of a finger. I just want a less crazy mind. I mean, I've been spending time with my son who just graduated college and just got home. And all I can do is tell myself, do not say to him, Jordan, why is your stomach so big right now? <clears throat> I mean, who would know more than me that that's not helpful and the worst thing to say? But I fight with myself all day not to say it. So my mind is crazy. And I'm really glad that there is a solution. And I'm working on living in the solution, not the problem. So thanks so much. Thanks. We're now going to stop the recording for unrecorded shares and questions.